to the Career Pro Inc. podcast with Jeff Davidson. Today we're speaking about getting interrupted less, earn more, or get interrupted less, earn more. I'm excited to hear about this topic. Getting interrupted less does indeed equate to earning more, particularly if you're own particularly if you're in your own business, but even if you work for a large organization, your ability to rise in your career will be facilitated to the degree you can keep interruptions at bay. Today, everyone is getting interrupted at a rate which is really debilitating. We're getting interrupted more and earning less, it feels like. It feels like that, yeah. Every 11 minutes on average, one research firm tells us, the typical career professional is being interrupted. Now that in itself is onerous, but when we add to that the second statistic, it gets even worse. While we get interrupted on average every 11 minutes, it takes us on average 25 minutes to return to the original task at hand. Therefore, in the course of a morning, if you're interrupted just a handful of times, on average, if they're 11 minutes and the return time is 25, you can see where your whole morning is taken up. This is not to say that the sidetracking that takes place doesn't represent useful and effective tasks. You may be requested to handle something else as a result of your interruption that was entirely necessary and appropriate for you to do. But the point is, our original task at hand tends to suffer. So if you're getting interrupted more and more and being pulled away from your central focus, it's time to understand just how costly that can be. For an entrepreneur, those interruptions can potentially represent disruption in a healthy cash flow. After all, if the, if the Time is money, as they say. As they say, and if, the, and if the entrepreneur is the chief cook and bottle washer, each interruption really can slow down progress in immeasurable ways. So more interruptions result in less focus and concentration, reduced productivity, higher anxiety, and ultimately decreased profitability. The truth that resides in this room and in the offices of everyone listening is that nobody works entirely interruption-free. We have to you know, acknowledge that for openers. However, what we're talking about is diminishing the frequency and the severity of the interruption so that on any given day, we have the ability to be as productive as we can and we have the ability to maintain profitability and cash flow. The great longshoreman, Eric Hoffer, who became a philosopher later in life, said, in a time of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Ouch. Well, so what we want to do is we want to be the learned so that we can, uh, just blew that. The, we want to be the learners so that we can inherit the earth. In other words, we want to learn new ways of keeping interruptions at bay so that we have the opportunity to earn more. 
if we are the learned, if we think we know it all and we want to just proceed the way that we've always proceeded, then interruptions are going to be a continuous source of um, then interruptions are going to be a continuous irritant. So, how do we make interruptions less costly? I say we practice what I call interruption management. <laughs> interruption management for which I hold a trademark. I was gonna say, I've, I've only heard that from Jeff Davidson. All right. Continue. Interruptions represent anything that pull us off the path. It could be something very small, like a, like a momentary distraction, or it could be something huge that's disruptive to our workday. For example, the water main broke and everybody needs to leave the office. It could be an upheaval that's even bigger than a disruption, such as the outbreak of war or, or disease, so that no one can even enter the building. But most of the time, the interruptions that we face are of a personal nature. Mm -hmm. They're not so disruptive that we can't even be within our offices. And they come from many, many different sources. One of the things that you want to identify right off the bat is, of the interruptions that you face in a given day, how many are external, in other words, you had no control over it whatsoever, and how many are internal, i.e. you do have some leeway, you have some options. So we're looking at imposed versus optional. If the number of interruptions that you experience in the course of the day primarily comes from optional types of activities, in other words, you checking email, you allowing the phone ringer to be on in your office, you not safeguarding other aspects of your workspace, then you can make immediate impact. That's something we can control. Absolutely. You can make immediate impact because so much of what interrupts you was all along based on the way you set up your environment. But I bring this whole notion up because a lot of people forget that they're in control. Well, the phone rings like this and the, you know, they forget that they have the opportunity to put these safeguards in place. They're so comfortable and familiar with their surroundings, they haven't even identified what's optional versus externally imposed. Three things you can do immediately to diminish the number of interruptions that you face in the course of a day. One is to establish phone hours. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't want to do this. Some people can't because of their job description, but many can. When you establish phone hours, essentially you put a message into your voicemail that says, I'll be available today from 2 to 4 to accept calls or to return calls. Most people who hear that message will not be thrown off by it. Indeed, many will be pleased because some don't know when they're supposed to get in hold of you. Um, many will understand and appreciate your gesture because they're facing some of the same challenges that you're facing. And they see it as a master stroke of productivity for you to announce in advance when you'll be available to return calls. So that limitation on our optional behavior actually frees us up. Yes, so that's one. Another 
is to do the same kind of maneuver within your office to let people know you will be available for consultation, conference, meeting, one-on-one, -on -one, whatever, from two to four, or whatever the, the hour range happens to be. Once again, some people believe they can come by your office or workspace any gosh darn time they choose and come up with any issue that they think is worth interrupting you for. So when you let them know that it's more appropriate to get a hold of me at this time versus that time, that's helpful. Last, and we're going to focus on this for uh, the duration of this program, is to increase the intensity of your focus for the tasks in hand. The more focused you are on the tasks in hand, the less likely you are to tolerate interruptions. So, as often as you can, train others, train your staff, train those around you as to when the best times to get in touch with you might be. Now, another major step you want to take is to put into place the controls we've discussed in your immediate environment. And I'm not just talking about turning on the ringer now and doing other things that are obvious with the equipment and the space that you own or control. I'm talking about proactively looking for, let's say, a sound screen that makes wave sounds, that makes ocean sounds, that makes rainforest sounds. Sound screens can be highly effective. Interruption-based businesses and interruption-based careers are not inevitable. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to accept this as a given. There are work environments where everyone gets to enjoy quiet time because of edicts that leadership has announced and imposed from above. There are no email Tuesdays. There are no phone call afternoon Wednesdays. There are times in which coworkers working space is there are times in which co-workers honor each other's um, efforts towards higher productivity. And so if you're the entrepreneur of your own business or if you head up your own team, department, or division and you have such leeway, carve out en masse times in which people can relatively proceed without interruption. It'll make a huge difference in their level of concentration and focus and ultimately their output. If you don't have such leeway or you're not in such a position, see if you can arrange with team members or others with whom you constantly interact some quiet times, some non-interruption intervals. That'll make a huge difference in your output, ultimately your productivity and profitability. I would imagine, and not that we're going here, this would apply to kids in school. Kids, who, Everything's attention deficit disorder these days. This is really important this, to be able to concentrate and for the intensity of focus. Exactly. So, the human mind appreciates closure and a clean ending. When we understand this, that tells us that Every single time we can eliminate one potential interruption. 
we get to continue on with the task at hand in ways that enable us to finish faster and more effectively. But if we live and work in an interruption-based society, then the mere fear of an interruption, not an interruption itself, <laughs> not an actual interruption, but the mere fear that you're going to be interrupted is going to diminish your concentration, your focus, and ultimately your productivity. Think about it. If you routinely have people pop into your office, if you routinely are buzzed or beeped or paged or whatever happens to be, if you're routinely asked to go into short-term meetings for which there was no you know, earlier announcement, then you begin to develop the mindset that, hey, interruptions are what happens here. I can only get done what I can get done, and you know, I'll try to go do the best of it. I'll, I'll try to take, I'll try to do my best. I'll try to take care of you know what they're asking of me. But it's a completely different experience than if you. But it's a completely different experience than if you know I've got the rest of the morning, clear and free from any meetings or interruptions, and I can work right till noon on this project. You then benefit from the compounding effects of your brain power. You have insights and realizations that don't come to you when you're stuck working in increasingly shorter and shorter bouts. You want to have long, uninterrupted stretches that's when you're going to be able to do your best work. Mm. So training your staff, training those around you, making agreements with coworkers, making agreements with frequent correspondence can work wonders for both of you. The common denominator in everything we've discussed to this point is that you're taking control of your environment. If you don't take control of your environment, guess what? It will. It will. No one is coming to help you. Controlling your workspace, your personal environment today is one of the most powerful things you can do to become the type of employee that routinely creates high output. And there really is no substitute for being able to focus on the task at hand. You can delude yourself. You can pretend that, oh, I can turn right back to what I'm doing, or I can have music on in the background, or I can work with uh, you know, these other sounds that don't really contribute to what I'm doing. But study after study shows that competing interests do have an impact on us. You hear the kids who talk about uh, being on Facebook and playing music while doing their homework. No, the studies are showing that they are doing internal damage. They are training themselves to never be, they're training themselves to never give their complete and undivided attention to the task at hand. We don't want to go down this path. The longitudinal studies are not in, but I believe they will show in the next 10 years that when you try to do work with competing interests, you're actually diminishing the, I believe that you're actually doing internal harm. I believe that you're causing 
uh, types of stress to your organs and bodily functions that will show up later. I believe that you carry with you a low level and you carry with you a low level of anxiety that does not serve you. Mm. All right. One of the major ways that we can take control of our personal space, our working environment, is of course to manage our desks, our desktops, our tabletops, wherever we happen to spread out our stuff. Even if you're sitting in an airport uh, lobby in a seat with your smartphone doing work there, controlling what crosses the screen, controlling what you focus on, not frittering away your time on extraneous messages, extraneous notes, not having big pileups that distract from our attention. If you're at a physical desk, a table, you want to keep the flat surfaces clear, at least the one right in front of you, so that you have the highest probability of giving your attention to the task at hand. Whether it's a smartphone, whether it's a laptop screen, whether it's a hard copy file folder, book, document, report, what have you. When you have only one such item in front of you, all of science tells us the chances of you focusing on that item increase. When there is visual clutter in your visual field, you cannot help but incorporate that clutter into your thoughts and in little ways it diminishes your overall capability. Not on any given day but the cumulative effect can end up being quite substantial. So you want to give yourself the space as well as the time as well as the quiet to focus on the task at hand. You want to establish when you're available, establish when you're not. You want to let people know in a very respectful manner that you're working on something that requires your earnest attention and constant thought and that right now it's not a good time for you to be interrupted. I know a lady who when she flies from client to client because a lot of her work is based in other cities, wears a baseball hat that has right at the front, instead of a team name or logo or something, it says, on deadline. <laughs> so she is automatically keeping other passengers from interrupting her while she works in her plane seat. I think this is a stroke of genius myself, all right? On deadline. So what happens when somebody sees her and she's wearing that hat, they automatically bow to her wishes. Her wish, because her message says on deadline, is please don't interrupt me. Please don't talk to me. Please don't come by with extraneous items. I, you know, do you I want... respect her space. You respect her space. Do I want my water glass refilled right now? I'll let you know if I want it refilled. Don't, don't ask me 25 different questions. I sometimes experience the same phenomenon. You go to a restaurant, and you know the over-eager waiter who comes by every three or four minutes? How's everything? How's everything? fine and it's not that much different than when you asked three minutes ago <laughs> just be available but so, don't let me know so so, so what yeah so one so one time i finally hit upon the notion if i spoke to the waiter at the outset before they went down this how's everything how's everything how's everything then maybe we could craft an agreement so i could eat my dinner <laughs> 
relatively interruption free. So I said, I know you're going to come by or you've been taught to come by and ask how's everything periodically throughout the dinner. But really, once I'm served, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy. And so what I'm really looking for is just for you to maybe look across the room, you know, every 10 minutes and just see if there's anything. But there's no need to come by, really. Give your time and attention to the other diners. I'm going to be just fine. And a lot of them see that as a relief. That's just sure. one less place they have to visit on their route around the room. So you'd be surprised at the times that you can share your concerns with others and they will very, um, um, and they will immediately capitulate because it's actually helping them as well. Gives them permission to do the same. Right. Now, some some people in business go to great lengths to make interruptions rare. This is not for everybody, but some actually will pad their offices beyond installing the sound screen. Some executives, some CEOs, some entrepreneurs actually have the quietest office in the plant. We've all seen this. It's, it's not for everybody, but it's an idea. Some will have a long entrance to their office so they can hear people coming. Some will post the receptionist, most post the receptionist, in a way that stops everybody. And so there has to be clearance. So there are ways you can physically arrange your plant and your space if you have the time, the money, and the inclination you know, if you're calling the shots to keep interruptions at their lowest um, practical level. And so I throw those ideas out there. Most of us today, however, not having those options, are more likely to be interrupted not by somebody coming by, not even by extraneous noise from the next office, next cubicle, what have you, but instead by the electronic messages that we receive. Most of these are optional in nature. We have control over them. They're not externally imposed. Now, if you're receiving a message from your boss, that's falling in perhaps to the, to the that falls into the imposed camp. But even with your boss, you can sometimes craft agreements and say, instead of us sending things back and forth to each other all day long. Why don't we pick Tuesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon from 3.30 to 4 to catch up on things and only send stuff to each other during the week when it absolutely has to be seen, you know, in the moment. And I know one individual who did this and his boss was just outrageously pleased with the idea. You thought I was going to say outrageously upset. He wasn't outraged. He was outrageously pleased. Pleased, because he himself was feeling the brunt of all the interruptions that various staff members were imposing upon him. Then he took this idea and crafted the same agreement with all the other employees, with all his staff. And so now he has a regular meeting time with each staff person, one-on-one, -on -one, not a group meeting, to go through what otherwise would be dispensed willy-nilly, drip-drop throughout the week and end up really pulling time and attention away from each party. So sometimes you can craft agreements with those 
above you as well as coworkers, peers, staff who report to you, and you'll make a dramatic difference in how often you're interrupted. When it comes to text messaging, instant messaging, email, you've got to remember these are tools. They were never meant to be the de facto management system that rules your day. You decide when to check in. You can pick the intervals. Email in and of itself was never meant to be an instant phenomenon. Instant messaging is. That's different. Email by its nature implies that you have time to respond. Generally speaking, if you respond to an email within a half day, that's a pretty reasonable response. If it's near the end of the day and you respond by noon the next day, that's a reasonable response. All right. If somebody needs you faster, if the activity, event, issue, cause, whatever happens to be, is compelling, they will call you or they will find some other more immediate way to get your attention. If they send by email, then hereafter, let's all agree, this is not an ultra-urgent missive. What's happened though, however, in too many offices, in too many relationships is, email has become a form of instant messaging, i.e., I know you're there, I expect you to, you know, I know you're there, I expect you to respond relatively quickly, not in the next minute or two, but, you know, within a couple minutes. And so, we end up using email in ways that the tool really should never be used. Like using all caps or exclamation points, multiple exclamation points. Sure, there's a lot of uh, expectations and movement of these interruptions that shouldn't be immediate into the immediate category. Excellent point. All right, when it comes to email, one way to narrow down the potential level of disruption is to first decide in advance at what intervals you will check email and other messages. So you might be a 15 inter you might be a 15 minute interval person, you might be a 30 minute. You choose. So you promise yourself you're going to work for 15 minutes straight on the task at hand and then you will check email. And I'm okay with that because if you don't check email in today's workplace and with the way workers have been trained over the last few years regarding email, it will cause anxiety. Some people, you know, email separation anxiety is too great for them. They can't go more than 15 minutes. Okay, I understand that does exist and it's not going to go away soon and if you suffer from that, okay, I understand. So you pick your interval. Let's say it is 15 minutes. So you Maintain focus on the task at hand. At the end of 15 minutes, you can use a timer, bell, buzzer, whatever you want, just the clock on the wall. You get to check email. When you check your email, you now immediately use triage. Mm -hmm. You say to yourself, okay, here's a couple that are inane. I can eliminate these immediately. Here's two or three I can hand off to somebody else. I can delegate because they're the best person to handle this. Here's one or two I can handle right now because it's just a yes or no answer. I can just hit reply. Here's two or three I'm going to have to spend some time and energy on. I'm going to park these in another folder, maybe called today's input, but I can't deal with them now because this is just a quick check of my email 
And I'm going to get back to the task at hand. And then the last category will be those that are worth saving, worth retaining, worth filing, because while you don't have to act on them now, they do have some future value. They help you to avoid uh, penalties or costs or expenses, or they help you to file something on time or take advantage of an opportunity. But I don't have to deal with it now, so I park these in a folder that says next week, next month, tomorrow, whenever. So the point is we allowed ourselves to check in. We very adroitly handled what we could, parked what we could, sent off what we could, deleted what we could, and now we turn back to the task at hand. So it's a planned interruption over which we maintain control. We turn back to the task at hand, give it our gut level best, maybe go another 15 minutes, and now check in for messages once again. Follow the same process. The four basic categories are delete, assign or delegate, file, and do or act upon. Some of the do or act upons we can handle right now because it's a short answer. Some we need to park in an appropriate folder because it's going to take a bit of time and we're on something right now. On occasion, one of the emails that comes in that we cannot delete, that we cannot assign, that don't merit filing, but do indeed fall into the act upon, we have to act upon now. There is an urgency to them even though we just discussed how email should not be right. a substitute for instant messaging, people are using it as if it is, and sometimes you will get something in a message that you have to act upon. Okay, it happens. So you turn your attention to that task. Take it as far as you can, hopefully to completion. Now you turn back to what you were doing before your email and message check, turn back to the task at hand and work for another 15 minutes, regardless of what the time happens to be, 15 minutes into the future will be your next check. In this manner, you can check your email four times an hour and still get a whole lot of work done. Now, if you can go 30 minutes between intervals, even better. If you can go an hour, even better. The longer the interval, the more you can get done. However, on occasion, you will know that something is coming in in the afternoon. You're waiting for reply. And all of a sudden, you find yourself no longer paying homage to the intervals that you marked out. I said 15, but now I see myself checking all the time. At that point, it might be a good idea to put aside the task at hand, the one we've been discussing, the one you've been on, and now get into an email response mode, go back to the ones that you parked for addressing you know, later today, later this week, and begin to act on those. Because now you've broken the concentration that's required for the original task at hand. There's no point trying to fight it. At this point, your anxiety level is going to be too high if you stick with it. But the good news was, for at least 15 or 30 or 60 minute intervals, you made great headway. You kept interruptions at bay. You were the master of your desk or your workspace, your screen, your mobile device, whatever. So you should be proud of yourself. If you can do this again the next day and the next and the next, 
by and by you're going to get a lot done. You're going to be interrupted less. You're going to earn more. Or if you're a career employee in a large organization, you're going to be interrupted less and you're going to rise more quickly. Anything else is likely to simply throw you back into the fray where you're going to be interrupted willy-nilly by who knows what's coming down the pike, having your intellectual kimono open up all day long, <laughs> saying, okay, hit me with this, hit me with that, I got the brain power, I'll respond, I'll take care of it. But meanwhile, your day is frittered away. And while you are taking care of some things here and there, what tends to get taken care of when you're interrupted all day long? the shorter term projects, minor stuff. the minor stuff, the stuff you can handle more easily, the loud and screaming stuff that may not be as important. The longer term projects that require study and reflection, thought, analysis, they tend to get short shrift. You don't want to become that kind of worker or executive because if you're only working on the shorter term stuff and only putting out fires, then you miss the really big stuff that could propel your career, your business, your team. And that, that, that's a career tragedy if that happens over and over again. So we want to carve out stretches for ourselves when we know we can handle the really big and important challenges. You said earlier, no one is coming to help you, but you've come to help us today and I think that's very, very important.